Welcome to Bollywood is for Lovers, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm Aaron Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. In this episode, we're discussing the work of leading lady Rani Mukherjee. First up, Ms. Mukherjee plays a free-spirited Punjabi girl who disguises herself as a boy to play cricket with Shahid Kapoor in Anurag Singh's Dil Bole Hadapa from 2009. Then she plays a free-spirited Marathi girl who falls for a mysterious artist in Sachin Kondokar's Aya from 2012. Finally, she plays a free-spirited... No, she plays a tough and dedicated Mumbai police officer who uncovers a human trafficking ring in Pradeep Sarkar's Mardani from 2014. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nation and Métis people. We are finally discussing uh, Rani Mukherjee, Matt. Yes. This episode uh, was requested of us years ago when we first started the podcast, and so it's been on our to-do list for a while. Hopefully the person still listens. Uh, I believe they do. I believe okay. it's Kimberly Tully. <laughs> Hi, Kimberly Tully. This one's for you. Uh, and I'm excited to finally be talking about uh, Rani Mukherjee. Mm-hmm. She has a film coming out this month, Hitchkey, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe means hiccup in Hindi, where she's playing a teacher with Tourette's. So mm-hmm. we thought it was about time that we look at um, some of her films. And we specifically chose recent films mm-hmm. and films where she was clearly the lead. She kind of wasn't playing second fiddle to a dude or wasn't part of an ensemble. These are movies that showcase her front and center. And aren't ones we've already talked about, like uh, Black, Black, we talked about in our Sanjay yeah. Lila Bansali episode, and uh, Sawaria. She's not the main character of that one, but... She's fantastic in Sawaria. She's the best part of that movie. Yeah. And we talked about that in our now legendary Forgotten episode. Last episode, yes. Yeah. Yeah, if I could only watch the the Rani Mukherjee parts of Sawaria, I'd love that movie. I mean, I think you can. It's called YouTube. That's that's fair. Uh, however, we have, a, we have a bit of housekeeping. Uh, before we get to that, uh, first up, we've decided to kind of change our release schedule a bit. Uh, we typically release episodes at the beginning of the week on um, kind of Monday or Tuesday, depending on where you are in the world. And that hasn't been working out for us as of late, so we're going to try and release them at the end of the week. So that's why this episode is coming out a bit later, because we're just trying to get into a new release schedule rhythm. So we're going to now release them, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a new review. It has been a while since we have had a new review, uh, and I'm very excited. Mm. Um, this comes. This is on the the American iTunes Store, and it comes from PSC27. PSC27 says, "Great podcast." As an Indian raised in the USA, my relationship with Hindi movies has gone through many stages, from loving them, then tolerating it to complete avoidance, and back to loving them again. Aaron and Matt have a real appreciation for Hindi cinema. Their background in education and film gives you a different insight into Bollywood films. So if you are discovering, or in my case, rediscovering Bollywood, listen to Bollywood for Lovers. Aaron and Matt are engaging, informed, and entertaining. Wonderful podcast. Well, thank you, PSC. I thought that was a wonderful review. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that mean, That really means a lot to us. Uh, if, if you are also enjoying the show, please consider also leaving a uh, five-star rating and a review on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. It really, you know, helps uh, people find the show, uh, gives that kind of stamp of approval from mm-hmm. our listeners. So, you know, potential listeners see, oh, people like this show. We should give it a shot. Um, and also, it just, you know, it makes us feel good. <laughs> Do you think we attack these films with academic rigor? Um, Sometimes. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder about that sometimes. Like, should we be explaining film studies concepts like the diegesis mm-hmm. or that sort of thing? Or do people already know? Um, I, I think overall we try and find a balance between the kind of uh, critical analytic skills that we, that we have from, from school and, and, um, and just, you know, reading a lot about movies. Uh, with the kind of more fan appreciation of Bollywood. I'm always mm-hmm. trying to balance that out. Yeah, so. do you guys like it when we talk about film studies nerd stuff? Like, <laughs> we could either tone it back or bring it forward, so let us know. Yeah, yeah Tweet know. at us, do whatever you want, but uh, I've always wondered about that. Mm. Now on to the lady of the hour, uh, Rani Mukherjee. 
she comes from a filmy family. Her father. Oh no way! A, a leading lady in Bollywood who has a filmy family. Her uh, how novel. Her father uh, is a Ram Mukherjee. He was a filmmaker and one of the founders of Filmalia Studios. I might not be pronouncing that correctly. Uh, and her mother was a Krishna Mukherjee, a playback singer. She is also Kajal's cousin. Oh, a little bit of nepotism too. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, and she is married to filmmaker Aditya Chopra, who is the you know head of Yash Raj Films. So unsurprisingly, all of her current films come out from Yash Raj. <laughs> Check out our episode on Aditya Chopra to see what the big fuss is about. Uh, yeah, she's. I mean, she's essentially married to one of the most powerful men in Bollywood. And interestingly, both of them are pretty shy when it comes to the public eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So you know you don't you rarely find uh, kind of paparazzi images of of them. Uh, they don't really soak up that attention. Not a lot of airport looks. No, they're very private. Hmm. Maybe they have their own private airport. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder. A probably could potentially afford one. Yeah, he's probably pretty rich. Probably. Uh, she started out with a supporting role in one of her father's films, By Your Fool, in 1996, and then in. 1997, she starred in Raja Ki Ayagi Bharat, uh, playing a sexual assault victim who is forced to marry the assailant. Gross. Um, Maybe she kills him in his sleep afterwards. I, you, it, that sounds like a rough movie. Yeah. Uh, it was a commercial failure, but her performance was praised. Our first success came in 1998 with Galam opposite Amir Khan. Yeah, I heard of him before. Yeah, yeah. I hear it was his birthday recently. Yeah. Um, and then she de- then did Karen Johar's directorial debut, Cooch Cooch Hota High, after Twinkle Kana rejected the role. Hmm. Interestingly, that also stars Catrell, hmm. <laughs> her cousin. Um, she won the Best Supporting Actress at the Film Fair Awards for that role. Um, and then she then had a string of failures and disappointments, though... She chose roles that were atypical for a standard Bollywood heroine. Hmm. Um, so while, you know, things weren't always, you know, they they weren't landing <laughs> mm-hmm. necessarily, she was at least doing interesting work. She wanted to set herself apart. She then found success with uh, the Yashraj produced film, Sathya. Um, in 2005, she won both the Best Actress Award and the Best Supporting Actress Award at the Filmfare Awards. So she won Best Actress for Hum Tum and Best Supporting Actress for Yuva, the uh, the Manny Random film. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. She then went on to star in Veer Zara with Shah Rukh Khan and Preeti Zinta playing a lawyer. It was the highest grossing film of that year and it played at Berlinale. Hmm. I think we're doing an episode on it later, right? Uh, yes. Years are is one of those films that, uh, we, we will be discussing at some point and yeah. some, and sooner rather than later, I think often recommended and it looks great for black, a film that we, uh, have discussed on the show in an episode on Sanjay Lila Bansali. She won both the best actress and the best actress critics award at the film for awards. Hmm. Overall, she's been nominated for 17 film for awards and won seven. Pretty good uh, ratio. Yeah, she's she's one of the most acclaimed actresses, um, kind of of her generation, uh, and you know, kind of winning multiple awards sometimes for the same film, sometimes for different films uh, at these ceremonies. It's kind of unprecedented, and I, I don't believe anyone else has been able to kind of accomplish that feat. Yeah, it's interesting that she would be a supporting actor in one movie and then the lead in the other, mm-hmm. and big movies. Yeah, big movies. Um, and then, yes, her, her upcoming film is Hitchkey. It's her first in four years. Uh, she's had a baby, so, you mm. know, stuff's been going on in her personal life. And she's playing a teacher with Tourette syndrome. Hmm. I I really like Marani Mukherjee. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm always disappointed that we don't see her in more movies. That being said, I feel like, yeah, especially new movies... That being said, I feel like when we do, she she's picking stuff that, um, well, it doesn't always work, and, and we're going to discuss three films here. I feel like our, it's always interesting, and I feel like she always brings, you know, kind of brings something to, something unique to the screen. Like, I, I don't feel like there's anyone else kind of like her in Bollywood. Uh, I don't know. What about Vidya Balan? Mm. I think they would kind of yeah. fill the same niche. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I love Vidya Balan, and I think they both have that kind of sophistication. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that Vidya Balan has that same, both edginess and soft femininity at times. Hmm. What do you think? When you think of Randy Mukherjee, you know, is she a unique presence in Bollywood, do you think? I think they could fill the same role a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the film where they're both in, uh, No One Killed Jessica. Yeah. I uh, definitely was much more interested in Rani Mukherjee's character, but also Vidya Balan had kind of the less appealing role to play, mm-hmm. the grieving sister. It's not as fun. Not as fun as a crusading reporter. I feel like I have a better sense of who Vidya Balan is from something like The Dirty Picture than I have from anything Rani Mukherjee's mm. been in. Maybe Mardani. She's very strong in that one. But these other two... And Sawaria on And Sawaria. She's definitely the best part of Sawaria. And then Black, she's playing someone who's based on a real person. I don't know what her star persona is, really. Mm. I think she's good at melding herself with the character. Mm-hmm. But maybe she's not transcending into being that huge movie star that you can think, oh, this is definitely a Rani Mukherjee film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong. Fine. She's very much, I think, like a like an actor's actress. Like she has that very clear kind of intelligence behind mm-hmm. the eyes, um, and she just feels kind of very much like like a thinking person's um, actress. Whereas I think I think I find Vidya Balan a bit more physical. I don't find Rani Mukherjee that physical of an actress. Apart Though, from her dancing, which is pretty good. Yeah, and her dancing in Savario again, like the best part of that film. Dancing in Aya is the best part of that film, too. But you do like her. I do like her, yeah. I just think um, maybe it's Veer Zara that we need to see that mm-hmm. is the big one. Or Hum Tum. And Kuchku Chotahai. Kuchku Chotahai. Maybe we haven't seen the real canonical ones yet. I think so. Um, you know, and that's that's part of, you know, coming at this kind of at the at the time when we did. Where, you know, she she's only really released one film, Mardani. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we started watching Bollywood regularly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're kind of approaching her career as we are with a lot of um, actors, actresses, directors, etc. In, in Bollywood kind of from reverse and trying to reverse engineer what... What made them what so their special? Pers- yeah, what their persona is. Mm-hmm. Um, and And so potentially these three films aren't... It was know, also tough to best. find ones where she was the main character, though. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the problem with watching films with actresses. Mm-hmm. Really. That we hadn't already discussed. That we hadn't already talked about. Yeah. Black already would have been a really good one. Yeah. And we've yeah. already discussed no one filmed. No one killed a Jessica. And unfortunately, Hitchkey isn't out yet. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Hitchkey. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be good. Um, I mean, in Black, she's more than proven that she can do a character um, with uh, a disability mm-hmm. <laughs> and and do it well. Yeah, her, you know, and, her and the kid version of her in that movie were pretty stellar, actually. Yeah. Maybe I should take it back. Maybe because in Black, that is a really physical performance. So maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm not giving her enough credit here. Well, maybe she's not as sensual as Vidya Balan. I, I don't think she is. I think, like, again, I, I think she's. Vidya Balan to me is a bit more of, and this isn't going to be the best comparison, but for, for the, the sake of trying to articulate the difference, Vidya Balan to me is a bit more of a Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. And Rennie Mukherjee is a bit more of a Rita Hayworth. Well, once for girls, once for boys. That no, not quite. Because mm. <laughs> um, I, I think women and men can enjoy both of those actresses. I know. Just, I just, I just wanted to get a rise out of you. Oh, okay. I think it's more just again in the way they present themselves. And to be clear, I think both of those actresses are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, you know, even after these three films, it doesn't sound like we have a great handle on 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 Rennie Mukherjee yet. But maybe at the end of this discussion, we'll have a we'll have a bit more clarity, mm-hmm. a bit more insight. So, what's our first film, Matt? First movie we watched was called Dil Bole Hadapa, which means the heart says hooray. <laughs> uh, came out in two thousand nine. It's directed by Anurag Singh. He's a Punjabi director who has also done Super Singh and Jot and Juliet. Yeah, you saw Super Singh. I have seen Super Singh. Yeah, it stars my Punjabi boyfriend Diljit Sosange, and it's set in Montreal of all places. <laughs> a city we're going to pretty a, soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a fun trifle. <laughs> I think you could say the same thing about the heart says hooray. Yeah. Um, 
And it's also very much a Punjabi story, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it features Shad Kapoor, Rani Mukherjee, Sherlyn Chopra, and Anupam Kher. Um, so it kind of revolves around something called Notanki. It's a folk style of theater. Well, it revolves around cricket, but Rani Mukherjee is playing a, a woman who performs in Notanki, yeah. which is a precursor to to Bollywood. It was a, a popular yeah folk theater mm-hmm. um, that would reenact... Um, mythological stories as well as folk tales. And in this 2009 edition, it reenacts a few movies too. Yeah. So it's it's kind of kept up with the times. And uh, she sings and dances in this theater, does a little bit of acting, but her real thing is cricket, as you suggested. Mm-hmm. And she likes to go around sort of hustling rubes into um, seeing if they can bowl her out. And she's an amazing batsman. Mm-hmm. She can even uh, switch to her left hand and still hit dingers. So, um, meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, Shah Kapoor's a big-time cricket guy in London. Mm-hmm. And his father, played by Anne Pumker, is a big-time cricket guy in uh, Punjab. Mm-hmm. He sponsors a team that every year plays against the Pakistani champs, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. What's the Indian Tigers, the Pakistani champs? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, in the spirit of like cross-cultural uh, cooperation, they have this game every year across the border between the two countries. And, you know, uh, Pakistan has won the last mm, quite a few matches, and Anupam Kher is getting sadder and sadder and sadder. He eventually recruits his son to come back from England by saying that he's sick. Um, <laughs> Classic ruse. Yeah. Um, and he kind of cons his son into playing for him. And um, he runs into Renny Mukherjee. She wants to play really badly, but is told, no, no girls allowed. Girls can't play on this cricket team. Yeah. Um, so what, is, what would you do in this situation? Um, I would start... A cricket team of of just women, and mm-hmm. then I challenge the boys to a game, and then prove that you know we can play just as good as the boys. So they would. So <laughs> it's like a kind of a lovable losers story in which, like the lovable losers Indian team who keep losing to Pakistan, then get defeated also by a, a team of women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. Okay. What would you do? Um, well, you are a man, so yeah. I, I guess you're trying to get on a girls' team. I'm trying to get on a girls' team. Uh, I don't know, actually. Uh, that is the benefit of white male privilege. I've never even had to think of that whatsoever. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but she, she takes the 12th night route. She does the 12th night slash the clone high route. A classic Canadian throwback for you kids out, for you 90s kids out there. Yeah, she pulls a John Dark. She does the John Dark maneuver of putting a um, little mustache, a little... <laughs> little goatee on and pretending to be a guy. I think we need to explain this reference because the entire time that we were watching this film, you were making references to John Dark. And uh, it doesn't say anywhere a rule in, a, in the rules that a giraffe can play, can't play football. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I don't know what Clone High's reputation is outside of Canada. Well, I know it ha- does not have a good reputation in India. In India, yeah. If you're listening now, you may not have seen this show because... The reason it actually got canceled was because of its portrayal of uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Yes. Uh, it's an animated show uh, made by uh, Lord and Miller, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord and Chris Miller, who would go on to do Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs and the Lego movie and the Fame and Fortune. 21 Jump Street uh, movies with uh, Channing Tatum. Uh, hilarious, hilarious, guys. And it's the, the concept is it's a high school made up entirely of clones of famous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, Gandhi is Gandhi is a riot. Gandhi is everyone's favorite character. Uh, but the portrayal of Gandhi in this show was upsetting yeah. uh, to, to many, and that's fair. He is a national hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recognize that. And, you know, this is potentially isn't the most respectful portrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what Matt's referring to, John Dark, is an episode where Joan of Arc... <laughs> who's in love with Abraham Lincoln, who is ostensibly the main character of the TV show. Yes. And Abraham Lincoln loves Cleopatra, and Cleopatra loves JFK. JFK uh, loves himself. Yes. 
Uh, and, you know, Catherine the Great, or should I say Catherine the So-So. The So-So. <laughs> Anyways, in this episode, uh, man, this is a really long tangent about Clone High, but in this episode, Joan of Arc dresses up as a boy to play on the boys' basketball team. Yeah. Uh, and this is all, like, again, coming from Twelfth Night. There's also the Amanda Bynes movie, She's the Man. Which I think this is directly related to. Yeah. Still pull ahead of um, but, but, but also, you know... Great episode of Clone High. Yeah. Yeah. All right, back to the movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she uh, dons a disguise to join the, the team, and wouldn't you know it, she makes it, even though it actually there's a lot of working out involved in a cricket <laughs> team, and um, well, what do you do with the uh, locker room where yeah. everyone's got their dong out all the time? What do you, how does that work? Yeah. Um, and wouldn't you know it, Shad Kapoor... Everyone has their... Sorry, I've never been in a men's locker room. Everyone has their dong out all the time? Um... <laughs> Given my brief uh, flirtation with working out a couple years ago, if I remember correctly, all the people who you wouldn't want to see dong out all the time are generally dong out all the time. Okay. A.K.A. old dudes. Old dudes just do not give a shit. They'll walk around and they'll be like, I don't want to look at your dong. <laughs> I, I really kept myself. You know when they say like, oh, it's just locker room talk. My locker room talk was, oh, God, oh, God, I don't want to look at anybody. I don't want to see anything. So any, anytime someone tries to explain their bad behavior away as locker room talk, no one talks in the locker room, <laughs> except for old naked guys. Okay. All right. Thank you for that clarification. I have no idea how much of some of this we're going to keep in the final. No, this is good stuff. <laughs> okay. This is good. Yeah, yeah. I think our realities will appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Dong talk. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, obviously that sets up like the classic conundrum where she, again she has to figure out how to pretend to be a boy, and then when she is herself, would you believe it? Shahid Kapoor starts falling for her. Yeah, it's a romantic uh, triangle it's with a, herself. So, yeah. So Shahid Kapoor thinks that the cricket player is her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's both playing herself and her brother, the cricket player. She also at one point tries to convince uh, Shahid's current girlfriend to kind of you know. Bring a bit more in the girlfriend Sonia? situation, like so that she could take the heat off herself, and then she kind of drops this plan eventually. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, Shakapur, he's hot. I'll, you know, yeah. I could deal with this. And Sonia is played by uh, Sherilyn Chopra, mm-hmm. uh, who is the first Indian woman to be photographer Playboy, um, and to my knowledge, potentially the only one. Uh, I could not figure out which issue her pictures were published in. Um, but they are online. They were eventually released on Playboy.com. So Yeah. Uh, Twitter family, this is definitely something. If you know, let us know because very interested to see that. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Matt, we collect Playboy, so that was an interesting note for us. Yeah. So this is you know, just a very lighthearted a romp. Mm-hmm. It's enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it didn't really do very well and also got some bad reviews from the critics. So... Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Dilbola Hadipa? Um, I thought it was minor. I thought it was. I thought it was light. I think it it, it drags. Like the the basic concept um, is is kind of self explanatory, mm-hmm. and and just kind of the stuff in the middle uh, with her kind of trying to um, play both of these characters and Chad Kapoor's not catching on. That to me kind of was dragged out. Mm-hmm. Um, the final cricket game I thought was fun. And I think, you know, it kind of, um, you know, climaxes in a rousing moment about kind of, a you know, gender equality, but it's still pretty national unity. Yeah. It's still yeah. pretty minor. I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, all the the players and the the people in the audience at this game, when it's finally revealed that she's a woman and she she goes up and plays as a woman, uh, I'm not convinced that they're all like moved. <laughs> mm. Wouldn't um, it have been somewhat transgressive if uh, if Shad fell in love with her as Veer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wearing the. Uh, Wearing the uh, goatee, That'd yeah. Be interesting. I mean, that would I, never happen, but that would it would be interesting. Happen. I just, and I mean, like she makes she makes a very pretty man. Yeah, I. Ryan Mukherjee is very attractive. It, it, she pulled it off. I don't know. She kind of yeah. looked like Fawad Khan with the 
With a goatee? I guess a little, yeah. And yeah. you know, I just I think Shad Kapoor doesn't bring it. Like I think I think Randy Mukherjee is having to do all the heavy lifting in this movie. Yeah. He and that's he part didn't of the really problem, try very hard. You know. Yeah, and I just I I think her performance at the center of it is 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 really fun. Uh, I think it has a lot of energy. I think it's really engaging. But the movie around it, I just kind of don't think deserves her. It would have been nice to know what Anupam Kerr's job was, that he's able to field a, a cricket team of new guys every year. Mm-hmm. And his um, his counterpart over in Pakistan. Like, they're, they're rich, obviously, but why are they rich? And I get the sense that Anupam Kerr knows from the beginning that she's a woman. I don't know. She does. He's kinda, not surprised. She does he, get dejected, and he kind of goes over there and helps her out. But um, he obviously doesn't really care. Yeah. He thinks so. Oh, she's good at cricket. That's fine by me. But uh, I don't know. Is she good at cricket? She's extremely good at cricket. I feel like I don't know. I I see. I wasn't entirely sure if I was supposed to think she was great at cricket cricket because I think she clearly believes that she's good at cricket which is an enduring part of her character like she is just like yep I'm amazing at cricket I'm going to eventually win you know the ashes I'm going to be the best cricketer in the world and you know nothing will stop me but she doesn't really like show that until like that final game when she actually kind of pulls it all together I feel like in training a lot she's actually really terrible well yeah she's it's it's like one of those movies like uh, um, Rookie of the Year or the natural or a regular person mm. becomes an athlete and it's actually a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But uh, you could tell from the opening scene where she's kind of hustling those guys that she's excellent at, at uh, batting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's running and uh, fielding that she's not amazing at. But, right. you know, she's just there to hit dingers. Yeah. And the nice thing about cricket is you could sit there and hit dingers all day long. So uh, it, it is a sport that does reward being, you know, good at hitting and also a little bit of tactical maneuvering around running mm-hmm. whereas in baseball like you hit then you run there isn't really a lot of decision making where in credit you can kind of push your luck and see how many runs you want to get with the other guy and the more the more movies i watch about cricket the more i understand it oh, i think it. i'm halfway there yeah yeah three quarters of the way there <laughs> i'd like to watch an actual game with someone who knows what they're talking about mm-hmm. um we don't have sports channels here, so we'd have to find a bar that's playing cricket. Well, there's a league in town. We could we could go to a game. I I watch a game. Yeah. Yeah. Would you watch a girl play a game? You know, I think I could watch a whole team of girls play a game. Oh. Or an integrated team of men and women. Oh. And those who do not uh, fit the gender binary, I would watch anyone play cricket any time. That that's is... me. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> that's very progressive of you. What can I say? Um, in this hypothetical situation, it's very easy to, for me to say anything I want. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why it's kind of hard to engage with this narrative. Like, of all the kind of, like, Shakespeare tropes that continue to permeate pop culture, I think the Twelfth Night one is kind of one of the ones that it, it doesn't entirely work because it involves such a suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. Um, and a suspension of disbelief that I just think kind of goes goes too far. It also doesn't have the dramatic irony of Shakespeare's time, where it would be right. a young man playing a woman playing a man. Right. Not unlike Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Now, playing a dude who believes he's a dude who's playing another dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it works in in something like Shakespeare in Love, partly because of partly because that film is playing obviously with Shakespearean tropes, and also because of the time period. But sports are a, definitely a very segregated uh, yeah. part of our society, so it does work in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't do something like woman tries to sneak into an office. Oh, you're allowed to work here. Like, <laughs> but but a sports team. Which is pretty rigidly gender segmented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially the most kind of the institution that is still the most gender segmented in in our world, mm-hmm. um, or at least one of them. I I haven't given this much thought, so you know, an hour from now I might be like, it's not as gender segregated as this, as this other institution, but it's certainly one of the most gender segregated. It's something you don't get a sense of really in the movies is how far you need to hit it to get a six or a mm-hmm. four. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it was like hitting a uh, home run in baseball, that's really far. And it's not like hitting in baseball. 
I know this because there's that movie with John Hamm where he goes to India. Million Dollar Arm. Yes. To find like good pitchers and discovers that actually the way you hit a cricket bat and the way you throw a cricket ball and the way you hit in baseball are completely different. Oh, yeah. And I don't think in cricket they're getting the speed you would need to throw in uh, baseball. But I don't think you need to hit as far. Mm-hmm. To get out of the field, but there's also like twice as many outfielders, mm-hmm. so it's interesting. I, I feel like potentially she probably could be hitting dingers all the time. It's just um, hitting in all directions is a thing too, because you could hit behind you. Right. Um, it seems like cricket, cricket. There's a lot more strategy than baseball. Mm. One of the things that was really interesting is that the the game that's played in India just seems to be played in some sort of like open field. Yeah, they didn't. It, Maybe it's because they lose so much. No one's interested in going. But The game they, in Lahore is in like a stadium. Yeah, when they go to Pakistan, it's this beautiful, gigantic stadium, and everyone's super amped. But Yeah, and everyone's there. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was weird. Work on your cricket stadiums. Well, well, no. I think it's probably that Anthem Care's team just does so badly that they can't even rent out a stadium. I think they also you know, like want the grandeur in the climax. Yeah. But it's just interesting, again, that the kind of... The larger spectacle we we see on Pakistani soil as opposed to on Indian soil could have been a budget concern. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, okay, we're really spinning our wheels here. I think overall, like it was a fun concept, and the execution is just a little lacking. If you like cricket, you might like it. Yeah. But if you like cricket, you might also be really annoyed by it. Yeah. Who's to say? Uh, did you like the song sequences? Most of them are in a performance context, which is really interesting. Hmm. Um, Although that's pretty common. But having the backing of, well, she's already very theatrical. She's, yeah. You know, she's got access to costumes and makeup and stuff. It makes more sense that she's been able to pull mm-hmm. off this disguise. But the songs are fine. They're fine. It's fine. Yeah. She can dance. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, well, that brings us to Interval. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we listening to, Matt? We are listening to Sava Dollar. Which we're going to talk about right afterwards from the film Aya. Aya. Yeah. Aya. So we'll be back after this break. Heroine, mujhe bana dena sab dollar chadaungi badle me. Heroine, mujhe bana dena sab dollar chadaungi badle me. Unless you're a villainous government minister in an Indian family film, you realize the importance of sports to young people in your community. While in India, you might see kids playing cricket or field hockey, here in Canada, it's all about ice hockey. Our sponsor for this episode, ATB, also sponsors community hockey here in Alberta, all the way from Tom Thumb and Pee Wee to the big leagues. They also help the local volunteers who make hockey possible in the community. For more information about ATB's sponsorship of sports teams, check out atb.com slash community. In Aya, Rani Mukherjee's Manakshi likes to imagine that she's the heroine in her favorite films. Like many of us, pop culture provides her with an escape and her fandom fuels her daydreams. One might say she's a nerd and she's probably be right at home with hosts Dan and Chelsea at the Northern Nerdcast. The Northern Nerdcast is a podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, that showcases nerdy people and geeky events in and around Edmonton. So if you're looking to nerd out and take part in some local geekery, go to northernnerdnetwork.com. You can find out more about the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, at albertapodcastnetwork.com. That was Sava Dollar from Aya. Uh, that's a really, really fun song, and and I, uh, uh, Rani Mukherjee is 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 talking about being a, a heroine herself. She plays a, a character who's uh, loves Bollywood and, and dreams of being in Bollywood movies, and so it's really fun to kind of see some of these uh some of these fantasy sequences. Um, we'll get back to that, were, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she actually really likes Bollywood. Is the thing? The, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, so Aya means oh my. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a fun fun word for for a title. Uh, oh and, my! And every time she says it in the film, just like oh, I, I yeah, uh, I, I I found it really charming. 
It came out in 2012. It's directed by Sachin Kondalkar, uh, who's a Marathi director. And it stars Rani Mukherjee, Prithviraj Sukumaran, Nirmiti Sawant, Anita Date, Subodh Bhav, and Ami Wah. Uh, this is a romantic comedy about a Marathi girl. She's in her early 20s, still lives at home with her parents and her younger brother. That's early 20s in quotes, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she's supposed to be 22. Yeah, she um, does not look 22. She does not look 22. She looks older than 22. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, she has a, a rich fantasy life. She loves Bollywood, uh, kind of dreams of being a, a heroine herself, uh, you know, in love with all the, the, the big stars like Amir Khan. And uh, she idolizes actresses like Sri Devi and Madhuri Dixit. The film opens with a fantastic sequence where she's uh, recreating Bollywood kind of numbers, but uh, a garbage truck is following her around the whole time. Mm-hmm. And also her <laughs> parents have just bought a new garbage can thing that are right in front of their house. Yeah. It's convenient, but they also live right behind a garbage can. Yeah, it's I, it, it's relatable. It's fun. It immediately kind of deglamorizes that kind of Bollywood sheen. It is literally the best part of the movie, and it is within the first minute. Yeah, I think unfortunately this film uh, can't maintain that level of energy. So kind of when it settles into the main plot, what it is is that uh, Randy Mukherjee gets a job at a local arts college, essentially in like their admissions office slash library. It all seems to be like it's a multitasking thing. Yeah. One room. Yeah. And there she falls for a mysterious and brooding painter played by Prithviraj Sukumaran. She doesn't know much about him, so she kind of starts asking around and hears that like. I don't know. He might be doing drugs, and she thinks he that drinks all the time. Maybe why he smells so good, and none of this stuff deters her from him. No, it just like continues to excite her to the extent that she even tries to go buy drugs at one point because she thinks that might be the smell. That's the best line of the movie <laughs> where they talk about the difference between drugs and cocaine, and she says, "I think drugs are a kind of cocaine." <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, her family is trying to get her hitched, and they've put a uh, matrimonial ad in the paper, and they're interviewing potential suitors. And eventually, one comes along who's kind of into her, you know, wackiness, mm-hmm. uh, her free spiritedness, as, as we described at the top of the show. He likes movies. She likes movies. Yeah, but he likes like social realist films. <laughs> yeah, he likes seventies movies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she kind of, you know, is begrudgingly going along with this, but really, really, she wants Painterstead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, kind of, she continues to, to follow him while, you know, kind of ignoring her fiance. And taking off on her wedding night, essentially, on well, the last ditch effort. Night. Yeah. 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 Uh, the... There's some other colorful characters here. Like her brother. Her brother's great, but most notably her co-worker, played by Anita Date, uh, who wears the strangest outfits from scene to scene. At one point, she's just covered in, like, police crime scene tape. Which she's using as, like, stockings. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, no, it's, like, around as a dress. Yeah. She reminds me of... You watch, like, a CSI or something, and they'll have, like, a wacky lab girl. Yeah, yeah. That's her. And it's, like, it's almost like a pop art, like, kind of, like, Lady Gaga look. Uh, She's got these teeth in, too. Yeah, are those fake? I don't know, but they definitely give her a lisp. I looked up pictures of her. She's a Marathi actress. And I looked up pictures of her not in this movie, and she looks normal. Mm-hmm. And beautiful. So I just I think this is like this is a this is a look and a character that the film has committed to that is just kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Um, this I mean this movie just you know it was full of highs and lows for me. Like I think there's there's some stuff here that's really fun. I think this character is really interesting. There's also um, a scene where she imagines that she's in a, a Tamil film. Because she finds out that Prithviraj is Tamil. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that was really interesting just to see kind of how they were juxtaposing these dance sequences where she think, where she's kind of engaging with Bollywood versus her like idea of what a Tamil film would be. She also shows up in a 70s, you know, realist uh, 
dance scene and like she seems kind of bored but then oh Prishma shows up yeah and I like that, that stuff that's almost like Edgar Wright's type stuff right like of how we um, understand our life through pop culture mm-hmm. um, and we you know we, we view things through that lens but it, it doesn't commit to that she's a fundamentally annoying character yeah yeah and also I don't think she likes Bollywood at all okay she likes yeah, dance okay. scenes but her, you know, the person she works with, played by Anita Date, she likes dancing. Like, yeah. she dances at work. Yeah. She has dance classes. Um, Rani Mukherjee's character doesn't appear to watch any movies. Like, she doesn't go see any movies over the course of the thing. Yeah, you she, see they're, like, channel flipping. Yeah, sure. But, like, she has a wall of celebrities on her wall, cut okay. out of magazines and stuff. Do you stuff. think she just likes glamour? Well, I don't know. Like, it's it's tough to get a beat on her because mm. she doesn't like think of Om Shanti Om, where everyone yeah. all, all anyone talks about is movies, 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 movies. Yeah, everyone thinks about movies all the time. She kind of uses them as her escape and like her um, her fantasy life, but we don't actually see her watching movies or engaging mm. with them. So that's why I thought it was really confusing. Um, this movie reminded me. If we want to talk about classical literature. Reminded me of uh, Northanger Abbey. Do we want to talk about classical literature? Always. <laughs> this is classical literature is for really lovers, baby. Can you relate this back to Clone High? Uh, if you give me a minute, I probably can. But no. This is Prince Farage, her Abe Lincoln. Maybe. <laughs> um, so this reminds me a lot of the book Northanger Abbey okay. by Jane Austen. Have you read this book? Uh, no. No? No. Do you know what it's about? Um, I know that... It's you have Jane no Austin. idea. You have no idea. <laughs> okay. You love Jane Austen so much more than I do. Yeah, and we still haven't been able to watch the Sonam Kapoor, I, Jane I Austen, yeah. Emma. Yeah. Uh, so in Northanger Abbey, you have a a more gullible main heroine. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like if Elizabeth's younger sister, who ends up with Wickham in Pride and Prejudice, okay. something you do know about because you watched the movie. I've seen the movie. I've um, seen more than one movie. Yeah. If it was her who was the main character, mm-hmm. she's engaged to be married to a guy who's older and owns Northanger Abbey. And her problem is that, you know, the name is a little bit ominous because she's been spending her whole life reading trashy romances about um, uh, gothics. Okay. So, like, the like Mask Bronte of Otranto. Stuff. Yeah. And she thinks, oh, my, so my husband-to-be owns an abbey. Obviously, he's either a vampire or a murderer or he has some dark secret. Yeah, his wife is in the attic, obviously. Yeah, that's Jane Eyre. (laughs) But she thinks there's no way that this seemingly normal guy who just happens to own a fancy house that's kind of creepy is anything but what he says he is. Mm. So she gets herself completely wrapped up wandering around this estate and getting like freaked out by things. And then you later on find out it's it's just a dog or something like that. So she gets completely wound up in her own head about what's happening and completely ignores the real world. And that's exactly what uh, Rani Mukherjee does in this movie because she makes a fantasy up in her head about how hot this, uh, um, this painter is and sensitive painter. true to romantic comedy form. Like he's not, he's not the layabout that we think he is. He's actually, you know, got a bit more going on Mm -hmm. and he is a suitable, uh, marrying partner for her by the Mm -hmm. end. Well, I won't say much more than that. Don't want to spoil things, but like her being obsessed with the guy is the story. Do you think it's refreshing to see kind of a gender reversal to the usual kind of stalking that we see in Bollywood films. Like, instead of him stalking her, she's stalking him. I think it's rare to see this in a Hindi film, but it's not rare in, like, other media. Mm. There's a lot of um, entertainment where usually a teenage girl, not a 35-year-old who's pretending to be 20... Um, I feel like it happens a lot in anime. <laughs> anime. Uh, girls will stalk other girls in anime. Too, yeah. So. But like anything having to do with high school, it, it's 
very often a romantic trope that mm. um, someone who's a bit of a dreamer has a whole imagined fantasy world about the object of their affection. But for a Hindi film, yeah, it's kind of rare. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying is the gender reversal. What I'm saying is the gender reversal is her stalking him as opposed yes. to him stalking her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was expanding upon that. that mm-hmm. um, you might even want to go a bit further and say that uh, as a woman, she's much more interested in the romance that could potentially occur from Mm -hmm. this pairing. Whereas Mm -hmm. the village guy in love with girl basically just wants to get married to her. Well, that that's true. But also like, she does kind of objectify him. Like at one Mm -hmm. point she's like, in all the songs for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely in the songs, especially that kind of that Tamil number. Yeah. Um, but she's very much like, I like, I like darker skinned guys. Like she's learning how to say these things in Tamil. Um, so that she can say them to him. And she's like, and I want you to wear your shirt low and I don't want you to shave your chest. Although in that number that we keep referencing, I think his chest is shaved. It's definitely shaved. Yeah. 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 <laughs> definitely. Uh, that's a really sexy number. It's also, it also reminds me quite a bit of Amelie. But if Amelie was completely obsessed with herself mm. and not with helping all the other people in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I see what you say about her being kind of an annoying character because she's, like, deeply selfish. And I don't know if the movie really does enough shoe leather work to make me care about her or her family mm. or to really realize, apart from my own knowledge, which is like... This is a terrible idea. She keeps doing terrible things, but the movie doesn't really acknowledge them as such. It's just like, here's another adventure she's going on, rather than like, she's really alienating everyone around her by being up her own ass the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you get a bit of this with the engagement party later on, but I don't think you get a sense of just how badly she's ruining everyone else's life. I do feel bad for Madhav. I definitely do. Like, he's... He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Like, they would have gotten along fine, but he's yeah. not a hunky uh, painter. But he's not like he's not unattractive by any means. Like it's not like they're trying to marry her off to. No, a he's troll. just a normal guy who actually guy. who actually has something in common with her in that he enjoys movies. Yeah, and yeah, I think this is a bit of a spoiler, but I think I would have been a lot more excited or on board with this film if it kind of turned out that like. You know, this guy that she was idolizing, that she, like, you know, desperately wanted this relationship with, that actually, like, I don't want him to turn it to be a jerk or something, but, like, that, no, that isn't the guy for her. And actually, like, Madhav was great. Well, like, you could have started this... just would have a nice reversal, I guess. You could have started this movie halfway through with... Yeah. Her already working at the university, her already knowing this guy, her already having a uh, husband-to-be... And then she makes that decision rather than us being present for all of it. Mm -hmm. Because then maybe um, they get together and actually they don't get along. Yeah. Yeah. It would be more like um, Shed Desi Romance, actually. Mm -hmm. Where people are breaking up all the time because their imagined versions of their uh, romantic partners don't match reality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a more interesting movie. Yeah. I think you're right. I think when this film has the opportunity to kind of take the more interesting route it takes the more traditional um mm-hmm. you know t- takes the more traditional choice and i think ultimately like i just kind of found it lacking that being said you know i i think randy Mukherjee is very good in it she's not 22 no she's not um, 22 and she's got a kind of a weird character to play but she does a pretty good job on it i think her just kind of her her optimism throughout the film really um really resonated with me. I, I really like the scene where she's getting interviewed about this job and she's just very, like, she's very gung-ho and she's very optimistic. And I think, I think she knows, you know, that kind of she has a limited time to kind of experience certain aspects of the world because her parents are trying to marry her off. And I think yeah. she she has this understand, this idea that once she does get married, she's going to have to, you know, then stay at the home and, and settle down yeah. and stuff. Um, and I wish that were a bigger tension throughout the film. Like it, it's it's there, but you know she doesn't seem maybe as upset about potentially losing her freedom as I feel like the character should be. Or the character hasn't thought that far ahead. Right. That's why I found it frustrating. Right. Um, 
Her family are a bunch of weirdos. Her father likes to smoke four cigarettes at a time. Her mother is pretty standard mother. But her grandmother rolls around <laughs> on a scooter all the time saying crazy stuff. And her brother collects dogs. There was some interesting visual techniques this movie used. Yeah. Um, I think of the three is probably... Well, Mardani has an excellent uh, cinematography and color scheme. It does, yeah. Uh, whereas this one has really interesting camera angles and moves and stuff. So I appreciated that. But... You know what bothers me about that first number, which does set the tone for the whole movie? So, the Tamil movie scene that is addressed earlier on. Like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe you could watch some of these. You could get a sense of the language. The, the number where uh, she's talking to Madhav about the 70s movies, mm-hmm. and then she kind of imagines that. That's fine. But that first number where she's a heroine who is going through all these classic um, Bollywood looks and dances and stuff and then there's the garbage cans that keep showing up we don't actually have a setup for that that's how the movie starts and then i was waiting for that to kind of pay off Mm. with her being obsessed with movies or something right we get the sense that she's obsessed with hot guys (laughs) but not movies yeah movies are always a means to an end Mm. what do you think of her co-worker and her brother's kind of late in the film relationship I actually liked it. I thought... Um, I think it gets kind of edgy there. Like, I guess it does get it edgy. It's kind of, like, sexy, but not in a really, like, attractive, sensual sense. In, like, a really kind of just, like, raw and weird sense. I think her brother is just kind of a raw and weird guy. Yeah. He does request a song from Dev D for his sister <laughs> on All India Radio at, at the beginning. Yeah. And then, yeah, he he ends up in an Anirag Kashyap romance. It's It's... It's kind of kinky. It, I don't know. I, As much as I found that character of her coworker a little grating, I think I ultimately liked her character arc more than Randy Mukherjee's. Well, like, it's also interesting to think about her because you don't really get a sense until you go to her house, but she's actually, like, really rich. Yeah. Her parents are rich. She's obsessed with John Abraham. And then you send this guy who we know likes dogs, and he's a generally nice enough guy. He ends up just kind of falling into this yeah. weird trap of her. She's exactly like uh, Rebel Wilson's character in um, How to Be Single. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that leads us to our, our final film this episode. And dare I say, Matt, the movie we liked the most. Yeah, there was aspects of I, uh, I liked. Um, and I, w- I would definitely watch the songs again. There's aspects of Dil Bole Hadip I liked as well. Mardani feels like the most complete of these films. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, so Mardani, which means masculinity, oddly enough. That's a really interesting title. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I want to get into that. It reminds me of uh, uh, Stig Larsson's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books, where the first one was actually called Men Who Hate Women, mm-hmm. and not The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's what it's called in English. Uh, so it came out in 2014, directed by Pradeep Sarkar. stars Rani Mukherjee, Tahir Raj Basin, Jishi Sengupta, and Priyanka Sharma. Uh, the film was nominated for three Filmfare Awards, including Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor, and one for Best Sound Design. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it has great sound. Yeah. Uh, Rani Mukherjee plays a, a hard-ass cop who... Uh, we see early on, we'll even do cop stuff when she's not on the job, which <laughs> that's fun. And she has a sort of unit. She's she's crime bureau, crime yeah. squad. She's kind of got a unit of guys that help her out on various cases. And uh, her daughter's friend is kidnapped by a human trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the thing that makes this movie the most interesting is that she's essentially in this cat-and-mouse game with the guy who runs the human trafficking ring. Awful person. Sets them up to be child prostitutes. It's gross. But had it been her own daughter, you would have had more of a taken situation. Right. Whereas this just like, oh, this is my friend, my, my daughter's friend. You know, I like her. I think of her as a daughter. But it's not her blood. And t- so she's not like obsessed with rage. Like yeah. she's just kind of intellectually thinking, how do I get this guy? It's more of a a chase rather than a full out I must murder you. Yeah, and to be clear, this this young girl um is it, she's a street kid. She she mm-hmm. lives in an orphanage and kind of before the film starts, they had um 
kind of helped set her up in this orphanage. And so they found her at a train station or something, right? Yeah. yeah. There is a maternal relationship there where she feels somewhat responsible for her, even though she is not her daughter. And she's, yeah, she, there isn't that direct connection. She's just Mm -hmm. like a close friend of the family. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I agree that I, I I like that relationship because it's always kind of a little too convenient (laughs) in a lot of these cop movies. Yeah. Um, you know, but of course they kidnap. I mean, usually it's a revenge tactic, so there's a reason why they're kidnapping mm-hmm. the wife or the daughter. But but here, you know, I, I like how kind of she just kind of stumbles upon this human trafficking ring, and just kind of the further she she goes, the more she investigates it, the more she discovers kind of the really dark and terrible terrible situation at the center of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I mean, this is. This is a really rousing movie. This, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that that uh, I really admire Randy Mukherjee for doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, man, this title of masculinity I find really, really interesting because I think what's it, what it's insinuating is that she has to be like a man in this world in order to um, in order to navigate it, in mm-hmm. order to survive, in order to um, you know bring the bad guys in. And and ultimately, I I don't think that's entirely true. And the the bad guys are themselves engaging in super femininity with these yes. girls. They're making them up all the time. They're you know teaching them how to wear their hair, how to dress. It's kind of it's an interesting conversion. It is an interesting conversion, and I think it, it calls into question again like these ideas of feminine and masculine aren't inherent to your gender assignment, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, she, here, she, she kind of does like go about things like a man, but she doesn't lose her womanliness at the center of it. Well, she uses it too. She does. Cause yeah. she directly puts herself in situations where her enemies are not used to her style of woman and don't think of her as a threat. Whereas actually She's planned ahead and thought of all kinds of things that she could do mm-hmm. while having them underestimate her. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to say anything, but yeah, she she does a lot of dangerous things that might look like, oh, this uh, you know dumb woman didn't really think that far ahead, but actually she's ten steps ahead. Mm-hmm. And I mean, films of this nature and about these topics can sometimes come off as as overly overly didactic, overly kind of messagey and preachy. Like you know, look at what's going on in the world. Or overly tawdry mm-hmm. um, and, you know, exploitative. And this film, I think, uh, walks a really thin line between the two where it, it doesn't kind of get, um, you know, too much of trying to, to push this social message. Um, but it also, I don't think, like, really exploits the situation for its kind of, you know, kind of shocking nature. It's not uh, ugly. Well... The situation is itself ugly. It's not the film Ugly by Anurakash yeah. which is about as depressing and as depraved as this sort of thing gets. Yeah, though, I mean, I, I, I also think Ugly is walking a pretty thin line. This is, I, this is, I think, easier to watch in the, in the sense that I think there's a clear hero to root for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the kind of the scenes in the, in essentially the, the, the brothel that this young woman, this young girl, she's a girl finds herself in are hard to watch you know mm-hmm. it, i was wondering how they shot some of them without you know breaking the law i did look up priyanka Charma, sharma's age um and she's older than she looks okay yeah she looks really young yeah she does she does and but i mean the power of makeup mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and and she plays she plays the role really really well like i think you really um you really feel for her like this is a terrible terrible situation you know, human trafficking is awful. Let's clearly put that out there. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is anti-human trafficking. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, and, and I don't, you know, I can sometimes have a difficult time with, you know, films that want to confront this kind of subject matter. It's, it's not a walk in the park. It's not, you know, a fun escapist night out at the movies. Um, but, but this film I think does, 
does justice to, to, to some of the issues and also how easily women and girls can find themselves in these situations mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, an entire system of corruption keeps them uh, in, in these horrible situations. So I think these first two movies, a different actor could have played Annie Mukherjee's roles. Okay. This one, I don't think another one would have done as well. Mm-hmm. I think she's got kind of a macho thing going. She's not quite like a Popeye Doyle, but she is a cop that plays by her own rules. And is also very calculating and interesting that way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to think of who else could do that role. And anyone else would maybe be a little bit too glammed up to do it mm-hmm. or possibly have to get like they'd have to get super jacked or something like there's something about the way that Rani Mukherjee looks and her, the way she comports herself that you buy it mm-hmm. that she's like a swaggering cop and actually you know I totally take back what I was saying at the at the top of the show about her not being as physical of an actress I think her physicality is potentially just a lot more subtle because now when I think back to some of the scenes in this film like she's really in there like she's really running in the streets and she's mm-hmm. really like you know her her body and the and the space that it takes up um, both on the screen but also kind of in in the scenes within the film itself, I, I think is really important, especially when you think of all those men around her and then her mm-hmm. kind of small little body, um, but how big it feels. Yeah, I don't know if she quite sells the fight scene at the end. I've seen yeah better uh, women fight scenes, but it's an extremely cathartic moment, so I it didn't is. really mind. But um, yeah, I think they had to cut around some difficulties in filming that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not it's not Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde, for instance, no. where you can think, "Damn, people are getting their asses kicked here." This but, is a bit more staged. But also, like, yeah, but also it's a bit more kind of down to earth than that film is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think she feels like a real person here, not like an action star. Yeah, she doesn't feel like she has like superhuman strength. She still feels like. Like an actual human being. Like yeah, that's, that's something that's a problem in Hollywood movies, I think. Yeah. They forgot what it's like to shoot fight scenes with humans in them. Yeah. Uh, the John Wick movies are good for that, even though he pulls off some stuff that yeah. is unbelievable, like falling mm-hmm. off the top floor of a uh, of a club. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, we've just got used to that Born Identity style yeah. of shooting where everyone is just almost masala levels of strength in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, yeah, it, it does seem like a real bout that could happen. Yeah. And I think this movie is really well shot. I think it mm-hmm. looks great. I think it's really well edited. The um, bit with the rat is amazing too. At the beginning, mm-hmm. they're um, they're going to another brothel and they're trying to track down a guy. So they bring a rat in a box and then they let it loose into his room where he's with the prostitute. And then she freaks out and runs away, and then they, they're able to get the guy. And, like, who thinks of that? That's crazy. They could have mm-hmm. just kicked down the door, but they didn't want to, inter- like, interfere with the operation of the place. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. I'd actually really like to go back and kind of do an analysis of the way that Mukherjee is positioned throughout the shots in the film mm-hmm. because it kind of – it almost gave me um, – I mean, it, this is a very different kind of film – but it, it almost made me feel like the way that Jodie Foster is at the center of Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of how how Demi would stage her and shoot her mm-hmm. um, to, to constantly reinforce um, that she was this that she was stuck in this in, in a man's world. Here I think it would be very different because here I think she has more force and more power. Well, she's the boss of this whole unit. Yeah, but I again, I find, you know, I, I, I would like to see it again because I, I think there's some, I think there's some really interesting stuff going on with the filmmaking here where just everything feels like it is, um, you know, working to, to elevate um, this woman and, you know, and the mission that she's on and this performance that Randy Mukherjee is giving. I appreciate the sunglasses salesman who's talking to her and is like, hey, do you want to be DeBong? Uh, <laughs> you know, do you want to be this kind of cop? And then she ends up picking, I forget what she ends up picking, but. She already she, has her own glasses. Yeah, she ends up being her own cop. Yeah. Which is a nice little metaphor there. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I yeah I really like this movie. It's it's a hard movie. It's to not recommend. a fun movie. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a hard movie to recommend. You know, I remember when I first saw the trailer for this, I was just like, oh, I do not want to see that um, because it 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 looks like vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. But vegetables in that you should consume it because it's good for you. Exactly because it's an about an important issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really got into it and 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 I think like of all. Of all the Randy Mercury performances we've watched for this episode, I think this is certainly my favorite. Oh, for sure. Of all the ones we've ever watched, I still like Black and Sawaria. Yeah, and she's not really in Sawaria that much. But when she is. She's when she is, she's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, and Black, Black, I think the historical element and also the drastic acting choices she must make kind of overshadow mm-hmm. like it's definitely like a capital a acting movie mm-hmm. whereas Mardani's like good story she's a badass in it but also not cartoonish mm-hmm. so it's just extremely enjoyable all around it's filling it's not just vegetables <laughs> that, that's true all right. Well, uh, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. I still don't feel like we've come to a concise idea of Randy Mukherjee's screen persona, and and maybe that's one of the things that sets her apart from all the other Bollywood actors is she maybe has more range <laughs> than than a lot of them. Like she just doesn't do one kind of film. She does many different kinds of films, and she's not acting against prior conceived notions of herself to mm-hmm. the way that Shah Khan will. A lot of the times, play a movie star. Yeah, yeah. and she she can do the romance stuff as we discussed, but I think from what I've seen, she's most interesting when she's doing some of this out of the box stuff for Bollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Mardani's, as we mentioned, the Blacks and Sawarias, and also the the No One Killed a Jessica, which I don't think is as successful a film, but. Again, still interesting. So, you know, I, I look forward to, to seeing to seeing more movies. I'm really looking forward to Hitchkey. And uh, Kimberly Tully, who first suggested this episode to us, has given us a long list of her favorite Randy Mukherjee performances. So uh, we hope to check out some of those uh, for future episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we will be back in uh, two weeks. I'm a little sick, Matt, of serious movies. Oh, no way. <laughs> Call it post Oscar fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, Post Padmavat fatigue. Yeah. But I I just want to see... I just want to see some guns. Some mm-hmm. guns firing up. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the the shootout films mm-hmm. in our in our next episode. Shootout at Lokandwala and Shootout at Wadala. I am hoping that these are kind of like some fun crime movies with lots of violence. Yeah. I just want some mindless action, Matt. Mm-hmm. And mindless based, gunfights. And based on a true story, too. <laughs> of course. Of course. Just like Tigers in a Hay. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? Well, you can check us out on Twitter at Bollywood Pod. You can find us on Tumblr, uh, BollywoodIsForLovers.tumblr.com. You can check us out on Facebook. Just type in Bollywood Is For Lovers. Uh, we're available on basically every podcasting platform you can name but apple podcast is definitely the best place to leave a review for us as it uh, is one of the main ways that people uh find our show mm-hmm. and uh we always appreciate a nice review there uh and over at apple podcast you can also find my other show trash in the movies that i do weekly with paul matwichuk you can also follow us individually on twitter i'm at erinie fraser e-r-i-n-e f-r-a-s-e-r i'm at matt underscore b-o-w-e-s um, you can also find the show on gradio.ca mm-hmm. and tune in iHeart, Castbox, Stitcher, all kinds of different uh, agglomerators, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Any way that you like to listen to podcasts, we're probably there. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah.